0: Welcome to the XTERRA Podcast, I'm Tom Patton. The XTERRA mission is to explore and discuss the business of space and its effect on the national and global economy as well as life on Earth. How does what happens in space affect your life every day? That's what we're exploring on the XTERRA website as well as on this podcast. My guest is Cynthia Buteau, President of Space Commerce Matters, a pioneer in low-Earth orbit demand creation. And Cynthia, welcome to the program.
1: Thank you. Very happy to be here.
0: Let's start out talking about your background a little bit. How did you get involved in space commerce and get Space Commerce Matters going?
1: Sure. Um, well, it all started um, uh, probably uh, as I was working in economic development throughout Europe and Russia. And my, my work was all around um, creation of new marketplaces. And at that time, I met the group that was standing up the International Space Station National Lab in 2011. And they asked me to join them. And I said, okay, <laughs> why me and why uh, space? And as we were talking, it really boiled down to low Earth orbit, uh, the 250 miles above us where the International Space Station orbits is really just another marketplace. And that's the way I treated it uh, when I joined the International Space Station National Lab in 2011. Uh, When I started in 2011, You could not beg, borrow, or steal a commercial company to do anything in space because they did not think it was relevant to them, even if it was fully funded. And when I left in 2018 to start Space Commerce Matters, over 55% of the users of the International Space Station National Lab were commercial companies. And we had generated close to $200 million of them funding that activity. And that's what really started me Into the private sector focus as space commerce matters on the commercialization of low Earth orbit.
0: So you didn't start out as a space person. You came to that kind of almost by accident.
1: By accident. And again, it was, you know, I was doing this market creation all through Europe and Russia from 2005 through 2011. And um, at the you know, as I met those International Space Station National Lab folks, I was working at the intersection of R&D and innovation. And that was the underpinning of the creation of new markets. And time and time again, space, whether it was space, um, you know, helping with the UK Space Agency and standing that up uh, in the 2009, 2010 timeframe, to all of the work that was going on with Europe and US and Russia and Asia, all trying to learn from each other and moving away from big government funded uh, space programs to more nimble private sector. And so, yes, I fell into it. Um, and again, I to this day, I think about space as just another new market, uh, which is my background.
0: So then what is Space Commerce Matters and what does it do?
1: So Space Commerce Matters is the company I founded in 2018, and I felt like it was time to walk the talk. If I was preaching commercialization of space, what better way to do it than as a commercial entity? Um, So I started it uh, as I left the International Space Station National Lab to really carry on that mission of bridging the supply side of space, which is that traditional side that we always think about the rockets, the International Space Station, all of that activity, the propulsion systems, um, with the demand side. And it's the demand side that I found was very much missing in all of the conversations we would have in space. So what is it that a a pharmaceutical company would do and benefit from in low Earth orbit and bring it back to their business on on the Earth? What would a consumer product company do? What would a a semiconductor or a materials company do? And that's really what Space Commerce Matters uh, is all about. It's bridging that traditional supply side of space with that non-traditional space community and creating the supply and demand marketplace of low earth orbit so we have a a number of advisory services we do commercialization roadmaps and application and market analysis Um, we do a lot around what we call mission planet earth how do you go off the planet to save our planet so climate change and ocean health and water and energy and crop science. And looking at that intersection of how can space technologies solve these big earth problems. And then the last piece of what we do is what we call outsource to space, which is what are all of the ways that you need to connect um, a a terrestrial organization and their terrestrial product um, development cycle to all of those possibilities and those assets, those capability uh, that exist in space. And so we're very busy. Uh, we work throughout the U.S. and uh, we're doing a lot uh, in Europe um, right now.
0: Define for me low earth orbit demand creation.
1: <laughs> so again, low earth orbit is that part of space, which is uh, that band that's 250 miles above us. It's where you have three primary phenomena. You have microgravity. You have the extreme conditions, so accelerated degradation testing, and um, you know what takes decades to degrade here on Earth may take weeks or months to degrade in low Earth orbit. And you have that vantage point, all of the Earth observations and remote sensing applications, and so. You know, not talking about the moon, Mars and beyond, which is what most of the space agencies are talking about now, but looking at that band right above our heads, low Earth orbit to actually use those phenomena to benefit your product development, your business operations here on the ground. So. You know, whether it's like I said, a pharmaceutical uh, company developing a novel drug or a therapy, whether it's a materials company looking at a 2D material and the creation of that, how how can they use that unique phenomena of low earth orbit to improve their operations here on the ground? And that's what we mean by low earth orbit demand creation.
0: So then who is your typical clientele?
1: Well, it's, it's, it has started on that traditional supply side. So it's the space agencies, it's the service providers that have those facilities um, that can utilize uh, you know, the, the phenomenon of microgravity as an example, but they don't have the connection to that end user customer. And it's our services that help translate their capability in space to what a pharmaceutical company or a consumer product company or a semiconductor company, that translation of why space to their business is I think unique to, to what we offer. Um, and that's a big part of how we generate that demand creation. As we evolve, that clientele is actually moving from the supply side to the demand side. So when you know that pharmaceutical company hires us to actually take them to that new marketplace as a contract research or contract manufacturing organization. That's when, you know, we know we have really achieved a successful um, sustainable marketplace in low earth orbit.
0: When you look at what are going to be, it it looks like at least three private space stations coming online in the next oh, I don't know, 10 or 15 years. How is that going to affect your business model? Because right now you've got one destination, essentially. Soon you're going to have several. What is that going to do for you?
1: I mean, that's that's what blows the doors open of a sustainable marketplace. Because to your point, right now, it's only the International Space Station. And the International Space Station was never designed to be a manufacturing platform. Um, It's, you know, there's so much great research and development that takes place on the ISS. But when you get to that point of commercial manufacturing or commercial production, the ISS is not your platform. So as we see new space stations, new manufacturing uh, platforms, and what we're increasingly seeing is. They're not just saying I'm building a new space platform. What they're saying is we're building new space factories. And that is what makes it truly game-changing. When we can move from a traditional R&D to a manufacturing environment, that is when we can have a sustainable uh, low-Earth orbit marketplace that doesn't need the government to be the only customer.
0: When you talk about Earth observation, are you talking mostly about humans observing from a space station or do you work with satellite companies that do Earth observation as well?
1: Yes and yes. And so, you know, low Earth orbit has a very unique um, uh, vantage point. The International Space Station, as it orbits the Earth every 90 minutes, has a great um, uh, trajectory around the Earth and ability to do all sorts of remote sensing from you know, from every sort of uh, remote sensing and earth observation um, application possible. And what we typically see is, you know, companies using the International Space Station as a TRL or a test bed to get their remote sensing application to the right levels, to the right uh, maturity and then they will use um, either it's constellation of satellites or one satellite to actually deploy their operational mission. But as we just talked about with the advent of these new platforms um, and new external platforms like Airbus's Bartolomeo platform, which is on the ISS, the ability to conduct ongoing operations with that very unique vantage point is a you know it's a, again it's a game changing opportunity um, and opportunities in that in that whole uh, observation arena.
0: Cynthia, who else is in your organization on your team, and what are their specialties?
1: Uh, well, I my first two uh, partners are are Dr. Molly Mulligan and Dr. Jonathan Volk. Uh, they were with me at the International Space Station National Lab. Uh, Molly is a, a PhD and her specialty is in life science and that translation of space with life science. She's actually also worked for hardware companies and built hardware that's been used in space. Uh, Dr. Jonathan Volk is on the material uh, science side and um, is very, uh, also very uh, deep into the remote sensing and earth app earth observation applications and so they they came to write to space commerce matters right after leaving the international space station national lab um, as i did and you know we've been sort of in the trenches and then um, we also just had a, a a great um asset tony Jacobian, who is a serial entrepreneur she's a founder Um, and she really is an expert at building technology systems um, that can scale. And so we're working with Tony on a whole range of our outsource to space um, applications. And then we've got an entrepreneur in residence, Jose Sogaldo, who is based in France right now, and he is our gateway into the European marketplace.
0: How did you find standing up a startup company in the space industry which is still nominally a male dominated business as a woman entrepreneur. Did you find that to be particularly challenging?
1: It is interesting that it is uh, still so male dominated and, you know, I've done several panels um, in Europe, as a matter of fact, with other females um, and talking about what does it feel like to be a female in, in these areas? And I think, um, you know, from my perspective, I've, I always feel like it's important to recognize, um, and and to give back to women that are trying to, to break in because, you know, I think, um, it's easy to take things for granted and not realize that there are differences and there are struggles. I never like to use, you know, being a woman as either an excuse or getting favoritism as a result of it. So I like to feel like I'm in the trenches just like everybody else is, and we're all fighting the same fight. But I do, I am aware that, you know, that the idea that, that it is such a male dominated area means we do have to pay attention and we have to make sure that we're continuing to educate and mentor um, women as they're, as they're growing in the STEM um, field.
0: Are you finding good acceptance in the industry?
1: Uh, I think so. Uh, maybe we can canvass <laughs> the the podcast audience. There you see. go. We'll start, we'll have <laughs> a poll. <laughs> <laughs> Please do. I don't know. Maybe I'm just blindly unaware of how unpopular I am and how unaccepted I am. <laughs> well,
0: we're all new at this, so, you know, we may be unpopular as well. I, I don't have any idea. I'm talking with Cynthia Buteau, president of Space Commerce Matters. Take a moment right now to click on subscribe to be sure you don't miss any of our podcasts, or if you're watching on YouTube, any of the videos from XTERRA, the Journal of Space Commerce. Cynthia, talk me through a typical client project.
1: Sure. So um, say we're starting on the supply side and we're working with a service provider that has a new capability or building a new space factory. They understand the engineering, the technology, they understand the, the, the propulsion, how to get things up, um, You know, how to bring things back down. What they don't understand is what does that marketplace look like on the ground? So we will typically start with a an assessment of their technology, and we map it to terrestrial application. Uh, we'll then move into a market um, market study, saying so. Say you know you can do interfacial studies and. Um, uh, uh, um, uh, shelf life, uh, stability type of applications using your new platform. We would then map those into, all right, the oil and gas, the chemical industry, the consumer product industry could use your application for, and this is my favorite example, um, mouth, feel, R and D. I bet you didn't know that every food and beverage company on this planet does extensive research on what does a food or beverage feel like in your mouth the texture you know Mm -hmm. how it takes to chew it or or if you are chewing it or to to drink it and so that r&d is a big component of what this food and beverage company does and it just so happens when you are in microgravity and you have that lack of sedimentation, you have all of these different forces because of the lack of gravity, you're able to really isolate the factors associated with how things feel, the texture. And so there's a big benefit to doing that type of research and development in low earth orbit. And so it's finding those very unique intersections of why the phenomena of low earth orbit, how do they map to a terrestrial application and then really putting in place a market strategy, how can you go out with your new um, space platform and penetrate the terrestrial marketplace in these areas that you would never have thought of when you were putting in place this, this space, uh, this new piece of hardware or you know engineering work. And that will tend to lead to a commercialization roadmap, a partner str- a partnership strategy. Um, So it's those types of things, which is really getting that space-based asset connected to not just the applications terrestrially, but to the markets, the customers, and again, bridging that supply and demand. So that advisory service piece of what we do um, is a very big component. The other big engagement would typically look like Mission Planet Earth, where we've got a problem, climate change, ocean health, um, and we find a sponsor for um, that big problem. And we either run competitions or we work exclusively with the organization itself. And we get a number of of solutions that you would never have thought possible using space to solve that big terrestrial problem like climate change. And those are the fun ones. and those are the ones that really, you know, make you feel good that when you went to work today, you did something really good um, for our planet.
0: How does an interested company get in contact with you, and, and do you have a vetting process? Are there clients that are not right for Space Commerce Matters?
1: Yeah, I mean, first of all, our, our website is space com, uh, spacecommatters.com, and you can get in touch with us there. Um, I'm also on LinkedIn, and Space Commerce Matters is also on LinkedIn, so we can talk that way. Um, You know, I would say this in terms of do we have a vetting process, you know, we're a company that is focused on doing good, you know, going off our planet to save our planet and doing good and working with people that we enjoy working with. So if you're not easy to work with, if you're, you know, you've got bad intentions, we don't want to work with you. We've kind of been there, done that. And we're doing things for the betterment of not just our own lives, but for the planet.
0: You're on the Board of Advisors for Stellar Modal. Why are you involved with that organization?
1: Well, it's amazing. You know, again, given my background in economic development and market creation, I am thrilled to see that there's actually a trade association for the infrastructure and the transportation related to space. And that is critical right because if you 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 can't think about space as something different than you would here on earth so to me it's an amazing organization full of really smart people from all over the spectrum some are very deep in space some not deep in space and the goal is to really look at programming that can educate that that they've got advocacy they've got awareness building and they've got programming you know, like on um, cybersecurity and communications, or what is the strategic vision of commerce, or, you know, what does the workforce look like associated with the new space industry? All of the things you would think of when you think of a traditional um, a trade association. So I love that. And I think it's crucial to the commercialization of low Earth orbit to have an organization like that.
0: What role do you see for Stellar Modal and other organizations like it in space commerce?
1: Well, again, if if you have um, a regular market and you've got industry, traditional terrestrial industry, you know, there's not one industry that we work with—pharmaceutical, chemical, oil and gas, automotive, transportation—that doesn't have industry association which bring together collective experience which further the whole industry that look at r d and innovation and um, you know this is the same exact case and so i feel like um, stellar modal will actually accelerate the commercialization of low earth orbit which is ultimately my big goal
0: I'm going to ask you our standard end question now, <laughs> and that's to ask you to kind of look out over the next 10 to 15 years and give me your best guess as to what you see coming in the realm of space commerce.
1: Well, this is this is what I see coming, and it's my dream, which is when you look at any of the operations in low Earth orbit, you're not going to see just a rocket launch every in um, you know, a quarter, and you're not going to see one platform, the International Space Station. You're going to see a vibrant economy that actually matches a terrestrial product development cycle. And so, say I am a pharmaceutical company, and I want to outsource my manufacturing of a certain, um, you know, certain drug. I can look at low Earth orbit, and I can see a whole continuum of launches, I can see a whole continuum of platforms so that I am treating low earth orbit just as I would any other contract research organization. And it's not constrained by transportation, it's not constrained by the number of facilities or assets in space. And I don't think twice about it. I think about going to low earth orbit just like I think about you know, doing my outsourced manufacturing uh, 20 miles down the road. And that to me is again going to be the sign of a truly commercial marketplace and we've achieved success. And then from there, we're on to the moon, Mars and beyond and the commercialization in, in true form of those areas. And I'm not suggesting it's sequential, but I'm just saying over the next period of years, I I do see us truly thinking about low Earth orbit, not as space, but as just another marketplace.
0: Do you ever see yourself expanding beyond low Earth orbit? You talk about the Moon, Mars, and beyond. And we've talked about asteroid mining and so many other things that are well beyond Earth orbit. Do you see your company at some point looking at some of those further reaches into space?
1: Yes, and and you know what, and I, 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 I probably am uh, remiss because we are we already are looking at that continuum, and we're looking at you know some of those ways, some of those early ways that we can think about commercialization with the Artemis program. Um, you know, obviously NASA and the other space agencies are doing so much, but there are so many opportunities as we're thinking about um, you know, what does that moon presence look like and what are those commercialization opportunities? So yes, definitely.
0: Cynthia, we're out of time. Thank you so much for joining me on the XTERRA podcast.
1: Well, thank you. I really enjoyed it. Hopefully we can do it again soon. And please get the information. Am I accepted or not?
0: Well, you're, you're okay in my book. Let's just put it that <laughs> Thank way. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I've been talking with Cynthia Buteau, president and founder of Space Commerce Matters. And that is going to do it for this edition of the XTERRA podcast. Check out our YouTube channel and be sure to click on subscribe so you can stay up to date on developments in space commerce and be notified when we post new videos. You can also get daily space commerce news at XTERRAJSC.com. And one thing more, be sure to connect with us on LinkedIn and follow us on Twitter at XteraJSC. Until next time, I'm Tom Patton. Thanks for joining us.